comedian Jim Gaffigan says this about babies. Babies are the worst roommates. They're unemployed. They don't pay rent. They keep insane hours. Their hygiene is horrible. If you had a roommate that did any of the things that babies do, you'd ask them to move out. Do you remember what happened last night? Today you're all smiles, but last night you were hitting the bottle really hard. Then you started screaming, and you threw up on me. Then you passed out and wet yourself. Dude, you got to move out. (laughs) Thankfully, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus will never ask us to move out. We are terrible roommates for Jesus. But as we saw last week, Jesus will never send us away. We'll never come home to find our belongings thrown out on the front of the lawn. We'll never come home and see an eviction notice because Jesus will never send us away. So yes, we are terrible roommates for Jesus. But the good news of the gospel is that he is not phased by our messiness. Jesus is quite comfortable dealing with and transforming messy Christians. That's all he works with. In fact, that's the only way to come to Jesus. You have to be messy. In his book on prayer, Paul Miller says, the criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed with life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. Don't try to get the prayer right. Just tell God where you are and what's on your mind. That's what little children do. God would much rather deal with the real thing. Jesus said that he came for sinners, for messed up people who keep messing up. Come dirty. And so piggybacking on what Paul Miller said, our big idea today is this. Come to Jesus as you are, runny noses and all. In other words, come like a child. That's what Jesus will tell us in our passage today. Jesus wants us to come to him like a child. Children have no filters, right? They just blurt out what they want. Children don't care what you are doing. They will interrupt you and they will tell you what they want. They don't care if you've been wearing all white clothes and they have been outside playing in the mud. They will just run up and hug you. They don't care if, you, if they are sick and their nose is running. They will just bury their face in your chest when they need love. And they don't care if they get snot on your clothes. Children just come as they are with no pretense. And that's exactly what Jesus wants of us. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, and we're continuing our series, Binge Watching Jesus. And today we're going to see just how sweet, and we're going to see just how kind, and how merciful, and how compassionate, and how caring, and how angry Jesus can be. So look at Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, and hear the word of the Lord. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. These four verses in Mark chapter 10 are a snapshot of the Christian life. 
This is what it means to be a disciple right here. These four verses tell you what it's like to be a Christian. Four verses, 82 words in my English Bible, 64 words in the Greek New Testament. This is what you have to be to follow Jesus, a child. It takes childlike faith. It takes childlike trust in Jesus and his performance for you through his life, death, and resurrection. Now, keep in mind here in Mark chapter 10, we are still in the house where Jesus had a Bible study that we looked at last week where he explained his position on marriage and uh, remarriage and divorce from Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 24. As Jesus wraps up this discussion that he's having with his disciples about divorce and remarriage, a group of kids rush in like the Bumpus's dogs from the movie A Christmas Story. You remember A Christmas Story? The story, the movie about Ralphie who wants the Red Rider BB gun? Well, that's how these kids barge into this Bible study that Jesus is having with the disciples. They barge in like the neighbor's dogs, the Bumpus's stinky hound dogs. And like Ralphie explains in that movie, when the Bumpus's hound dogs barge into their house and destroy their Christmas turkey, it's true. Ralphie says, ah, oh, life is like that. Sometimes at the height of our revelries, when our joy is at its zenith, when all is most right with the world, the most unthinkable disasters descend upon us. And that's exactly how the disciples feel about all of these little kids barging in on them. They were at the height of their revelry. Their joy was at its zenith. All was right with the world and the most unthinkable disaster descended upon them. Children. Remember, that's how children were viewed in Jesus' day. They were losers in their society. And so to the disciples, disaster just descended upon them in the form of children. And I assume that word has spread on on social, I said, almost said social media, on social media. Man, that's two weeks in a row I've really got tongue-tied. I assume that word had spread on social media that Jesus was in this house because the parents of the village brought their kids to Jesus that he might bless them. That's the idea here behind Jesus touching them and laying his hands upon him. They want Jesus to pray a blessing over their children, which he will. He will take them in his arms and bless them. He will take in his arms the losers of society and bring them in close. And who doesn't want that? Would that be awesome? Who doesn't want what's happening here? Who doesn't want Jesus to lay his hands on children and pray a blessing over them? The disciples, that's who. The disciples do not want this herd of kids interrupting their Bible study with Jesus. The disciples are so bothered by this that Mark tells us they began rebuking the parents of these children. The disciples are angry that these wild and rambunctious and energetic kids just barged in like this. And it's not just wild and rambunctious and energetic kids. Luke tells us in his gospel that they were even bringing infants to Jesus too. Children of all ages were coming to see Jesus. And so the disciples began rebuking the parents. Get these stinking kids out of here! Don't interrupt the rabbi like this. He's busy. 
So get these loser kids out of here. Hey, kid, quit pulling on Jesus' robe. Leave him alone. Don't wipe your nose on his clothes. Oh, great, lady, your baby just threw up all over Jesus. That's just great. Can you get this baby out of here? Oh, my, he is a cute baby. You do have a cute baby there, lady, but he doesn't belong here. Leave the rabbi alone. The disciples are angry for this interruption, but what they don't know is that Jesus doesn't mind if a baby spits up on his clothes. Jesus will not get angry about a kid wiping his nose on his robe. But what Jesus will get angry about is the disciples trying to keep a baby away and removing the risk that said baby might throw up on his clothes. The disciples are about to get another lesson on how Jesus views children. And the big idea of Jesus' lesson on children is this. I love children so much that I get mad if you mess with them. The disciples seem to have already forgotten what Jesus told them back in chapter 9. They have forgotten that even though children were seen as losers in their culture, Jesus saw them as the winners. They have already forgotten that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. How much does Jesus love them? He gets angry when you try to keep children from coming to him. What makes Jesus angry? When people try to keep little kids away from him. I think you have to see Jesus saying these words in verses 14 and 15 with a bit of a scowl on his face. Of course, Jesus is not sinning when he is angry here. Please understand that Jesus is not sinning when he gets angry here. Jesus never sinned. I mean, that's what our whole faith is riding on, is that Jesus never sinned. So Jesus is not sinning when he gets angry here. But these words in red... Those words that, that uh, are read in your Bible in verses 14 and 15, if you have a Bible that has the, his words in red, those words in red, you have to realize that, that Jesus sees red when he says those words. Jesus saw red and then he spoke words that are read in many of our Bibles because the disciples were trying to keep children away. So Jesus' tone here in verses 14 through 15 was probably not soft, probably not like, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus doesn't say it like that. He's angry. There is authority in his voice. Mark tells us that Jesus is angry. Again, he is not sinning by being angry. But make no mistake about it, Jesus is angry. I just had this thought. I would love to see a children's Bible of this story with an angry Jesus in it, with like a scowl on his face. He's seeing red here. And so the disciples are angry at the parents because a herd of their children barged into the room. And then Jesus gets angry that the disciples are angry at the parents because a herd of their children barged into the room. Understand this, Grace. Jesus loves children. Jesus loves children's ministry. Jesus loves children's ministry, and so should we. So this would be a great time to make a plug for our children's ministry here at Grace. If you have children in this church and they're not involved in our children's ministry, get them involved. And if you aren't serving anywhere here at Grace, why not give children's ministry a try? Sure, it can be a scary situation. 
But that's how you get Jesus. You move out of your comfort zone and you become a dependent child ministering to children. To minister to children here at Grace, you have to be a child. To serve in the kingdom of God, you have to become like a child. You have to be a dependent 35-year-old child. You have to be a dependent 45-year-old child. You have to be a dependent 55-year-old child and trust that the Spirit of God will empower you to minister to the little kids that Jesus loves. Listen, we have awesome people here that serve in children's ministry at Grace. So go talk to them. Ask them questions. Get involved in some way. Michelle and Paula and those who serve alongside them do an outstanding job here with our children. Those who serve during VBS and with gyms do an outstanding job. And Randy and Cindy Georgie and all those who serve alongside them in Awana do an outstanding job. In fact, next week, Randy will give a pitch for our upcoming Awana ministry in the upcoming year. So why not get involved? Early plug. Why not get involved in one of the ministries that Jesus gets angry about? You don't see Jesus get angry too about too many things in the Gospels. He does get angry, mostly at the religious leaders and the Pharisees. Jesus gets angry at stuffy, uptight, stiff religious leaders and Pharisees. Those are the people that bother Jesus. They make him angry. But another thing that he does get angry about is when people try to mess with children's ministry. Think about it. Jesus thinks children's ministry is so important that he gets mad about it if you try and hinder it. That's how much he loves little children. So why not serve in our children's ministry and teach children here at Grace about Jesus? Why not explain to them how much Jesus loves them? Let's just get that into our kids so that they don't grow. How many of you struggle to believe that God really loves you? Let's just be honest. You still struggle. Yeah. Why don't we just change that here at Grace and just begin reinforcing it into the kids that come through these doors that God loves you. And we just beat it into their heads so they don't get, grow up and have the issues that we have. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Why not get involved here and explain to children how much Jesus loves them? In her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones describes Jesus' interaction with the children in Mark 10. You could teach lessons like this to the children here at Grace. Here's an example of her book of what you could say to kids as you teach the very passage that I'm preaching on right now. The friend of little children. Jesus' friends were arguing. Who was the most important helper in God's kingdom? They wanted to know. I am, James said. No, you're not, said Peter. I am. Nonsense, said Matthew. I'm the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, am too. This silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something. Something God had been teaching his people all through the years. That no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference. Because God's love is a gift. And as anyone would tell you, the whole thing about a gift is, it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. So while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts 
in fact, you might say they were gift experts, had come to see Jesus. Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired. But they were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what do you think? Would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he gave you a hug? Would you have had to be on your best behavior and get dressed up and not speak until you're spoken to? Or would you have done just what these children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and your chats. You see, children love Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms. And so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, No matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. In other words, grace, come to Jesus as you are, runny noses and all, like a child. Without hesitation. This story is not just for children. Let me ask you this morning. Is that how you are with Jesus? Are you like a little child full of life and full of faith and full of hope? Do you feel the freedom to just run up to Jesus? Can you just barge in on him? Would you dare be a child with a runny nose and just run up to Jesus and hug him? And cling to him? Or do you think Jesus would look at you first and ask you if you've been a good little boy or a good little girl? Do you feel the freedom to run up to Jesus only because you've been on your best behavior? Or do you feel free to run straight into his arms as soon as you've blown it? Do you think you have to get dressed up to see Jesus? That's how the Pharisees were. They were stiff, they were rigid. They were prideful. They were self-righteous. Steve Brown said, it's easier to hug a dirty kid than a stiff kid. Stiffness is the worst sin. And we thought that dirt was the problem. Jesus wants you to come to him dirty. Dirt's not the problem. Sin's not the problem. Stiffness is. Self-righteousness is. Pride is. What Jesus doesn't want is a stiff, self-righteous person who won't acknowledge that they need a Savior and need one desperately. The Pharisees were stiff. They were self-righteous, prideful, and their rigid ways were the worst sin. They thought they had their act together. They weren't dirty in their eyes. And that's why it's easier for Jesus to hug a dirty kid than a stiff one. The good news of the gospel is that even when you need a bath, Jesus hugs you anyway. The good news of the gospel is that even when you need a bath spiritually, Jesus hugs you anyway. Do you feel the freedom to run into his arms, reeking of sin, hungover, and looking your worst? Would you have done just what these children in Mark's gospel did and just run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and your chats? 
You see, no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference because God's love is a gift. And as anyone will tell you, like children will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. Today, will you reach out the empty hands of faith and take it? Take the free gift of the gospel? forgiveness of sins, being adopted into God's family, being with him forever. These children here in Mark loved Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms. Now I've got a runny nose. And so that's just what they did. Just ran into his arms. Is that how you view Jesus? Could you right now just run up to him? You can. You should. He wants you to. Right here in Mark 10, Jesus is giving you permission to be childlike and just run up to him and be loved. What's holding you back? Jesus has given you permission to act like a child. What are you waiting for? Run to him. The great Puritan pastor and theologian John Owen said that believers are afraid to have good thoughts of God. They think it a boldness to eye God or to think of God as good, gracious, tender, kind, loving, and they think herein they do well. Saying that believers are afraid to think good thoughts about God. As if do, be, doing the right thing was to think of God as being angry with us all the time, with a frown on his face. Let me ask you this morning, are you afraid to have good thoughts of God? Are you afraid to have good thoughts of God? Do you think... You are thinking accurately about God when you envision Him as hard and rigid and stiff towards you? Do you think you are overstepping your bounds when you think of God as being good and tender and kind and loving? I just read it in Exodus 34 this week where Moses says, Show me your glory. Tell me what you're like. And what's the first word out of Yahweh's mouth, out of God's mouth? I'm merciful, full of grace. Tell me what you're like, God, I'm merciful and full of grace. That's exactly how these little children in Mark 10 saw Jesus. They saw him as being good and tender and kind and loving, and that's exactly why they ran into his arms. Listen, Jesus is the most welcoming person in the universe. Think about that. He's holy. He is God. He is set apart. He never sinned, and he is the most welcoming person in the universe. Now, if you're like me, I'll admit my tendency is to run away from God, not run to Him. I understand His holiness, and I understand my sinfulness, and in my mind, the two shall never meet. And so oftentimes, I run from God and not to Him. Kelly Capick says, run from Him? That is the last thing He desires. Run to Him. This is to understand the glory of the gospel. The glory of the gospel is that we can run straight to God when we've sinned and when we've blown it. And these little children know it. The little children here in Mark 10 just ran to Jesus with reckless abandon because they understood the glory of the gospel. They understood how welcoming Jesus is. The disciples didn't. The Pharisees didn't. But that's what you have to do to become a Christian. You have to become a child, no matter how old you are. Let's look at verse 14 again. 
But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to children. You have to receive it like a child, the the way a child receives a gift. Little children are good at receiving gifts, aren't they? They love it. I've never seen a kid refuse a gift. They love presents. And that's how Jesus says we have to come to him. Willing to receive gifts from Jesus. Willing to receive his forgiveness. Willing to receive his love. Willing to receive his perfect obedience to the law on our behalf. Willing to receive his righteousness. We have to become like children to get the kingdom of God. And what are children like? Well, little children ask questions. We know that, right? Why? 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 Can I have this? Can I have that? Can we go there? Can we do this? And little children get lost, don't they? And they need to ask for help. And they must rely on others. Jesus was telling the Pharisees and the disciples here in Mark 10 that to enter the kingdom, you have to come to the end of yourself like a child lost in a maze. And you have to cry out for help. What Jesus is stressing here is the helplessness that characterizes children. And we have seen this repeatedly throughout Mark's gospel. We have seen that we have to learn to be helpless. We have to learn to be desperate. We have to learn to be dependent. And little children are so good at this, aren't they? It's all they know. And they are totally comfortable being helpless. Children do not wake up in the morning stressed out over the fact that they're absolutely dependent on their parents. What's wrong, son? I'm absolutely dependent on you. I'm helpless. It never crosses their mind. They just embrace it. I'm helpless. They're totally comfortable being helpless. Adults, on the other hand, we hate helplessness. We are allergic to helplessness. We despise it. We don't want to be helpless. We don't want to be dependent. We don't want to be desperate like children. We're adults, for crying out loud. We like to plan, organize, strategize, everything. We got everything under control. And that's why we're allergic to helplessness. But little children, helplessness and neediness is all they know. It's all they know. And they're good at it, aren't they? Children are so skilled at being needy. And they just ask for help. Children have no problem asking for help or asking for things. Why? Because it's all they know. Because they know that their reputation is not riding on it. They need help, so they just ask. And that's really just what prayer is. That's prayer. Just asking for God's help. Let me ask you this morning. Where do you need God's help? Just ask for it. Think of something, some of you, there's something weighing heavy on your heart and mind already, and it's been there throughout this whole sermon, and that's what you need God's help for. Some of you, maybe take a second to think about, where do you need God's help in your life? In your family, your home, your workplace, your neighborhood? Where do you need God's help? Everybody got something? So go ahead and ask God. I'll wait. Go ahead, just ask God. Say, help. Help me. Help me. Help me here, God. Help me with the sound system. Where do you need God's help? Just ask. 
In Mark 10, Jesus wants the little children to come to him, not because of their virtues, not because of what they possess. He desires them because of what they lack. They just come as they are, small, powerless, not having any control, not knowing a lot, overlooked in society in general. Children bring nothing to the table. All that they receive is given to them on the basis of sheer neediness. That's Christianity. You bring nothing to the table except your sin and except your need, and Jesus does the rest. With sheer neediness, that's how Jesus wants you to come to him. He wants you to come needy. He likes people like that, believe it or not. Jesus loves desperate people. That's how you get in the door to see Jesus. You have to come like a needy child. You have to be desperate. If you want to barge into a house like these kids to see Jesus, here's the prerequisite. Neediness. Helplessness. See, we forget that neediness and helplessness is how the Christian life works. We forget that. But Mark keeps coming back to this theme in his gospel. Mark keeps coming back to this theme of helplessness because we keep forgetting that we are. We want to be strong, thinking that will bring us peace, but it won't. Being strong as a Christian will not bring you the peace that you're looking for. What brings peace is embracing your helplessness. Understand this, the safest place is the scariest place. Think about that. The safest place is the scariest place that you can think of. Safest place is to be right smack dab in the middle of a scary situation and to embrace your helplessness because that's when you get Jesus. It's in the dark times, surrounded by the unknown of the future, that we come to the end of ourselves and we realize that we can't do it on our own, and then we run to Jesus. And so the safest place is the scariest place because that's when we run to and get Jesus. Being dependent is the safest place because that's when we experience God's grace. Robert Capon said, we are all busy rubbing the wet sticks of our lives together in the dark. Grace doesn't sell. You can hardly even give it away because it works only for losers and no one wants to stand in their line. The world of winners will buy case lots of moral advice, grosses of guilt-ledged prohibitions, skids of self-improvement techniques, and whole truckloads of transcendental hot air. But it will not buy free forgiveness because that threatens to let the riffraff into the supper of the Lamb. And therefore, the world of winners is judged already because it will not believe in the name of the only begotten child who God raised from the dead. In the loser of God who, in the fullness of his permitting forgiving love, goes ahead and lays his hands on a bunch of grubby little kids and says, there, that's what I have in mind. Grace is for losers, for children who know that they have nothing to bring to the table, for people who have no righteousness, for people who are lost and weak and helpless without Jesus. Who is the kingdom for? Jesus lays his hands on grubby little kids and says, there, These little ones who are grubby and they smell like wet dogs because they've been playing outside all day and they desperately need a bath, these are the ones who get the kingdom. The kingdom of God belongs to needy, helpless, dirty, grubby little kids. Now get over here and get a hug from me, kids. What are you waiting for? What's holding you back today? 
Come to Jesus as you are, runny noses and all. Come like a child. Be a kid. Children have a trusting spirit and a willingness to be dependent and receive help from others. And so the attitude with which someone receives the kingdom of God must be childlike. The Pharisees and their attitudes were polar opposites to that of a child. The Pharisees were cynical, defiant, disobedient, set in opposition to God. They were stiff and rigid. But that kind of heart will not inherit the kingdom of God. That kind of heart will not receive the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is pointing to the childlike attitude with which we receive the kingdom of God in our lives. Trust. What does a child do? A child trusts and runs to his parents. Reliance. What does a child do? A child relies on his parents and depends on them for everything. If we're out of milk in the morning and they can't make cereal, who gets the blame? The parents do. Because they're depending on us. Wonder. What's a child's heart like? A child's heart is full of wonder and joy. But childlike faith is even more than trust. It is also delight. Watch what children do when they're happy. Watch what children do when they're playing. They spontaneously giggle and they clap their hands and they jump up and down and they sing and they dance and they have fun. And they listen to stories over and over. Children love hearing the same stories over and over again, don't they? My kids love hearing the same stories about my childhood over and over again. Tell us about Red Eye, Dad. You want to know about Red Eye? My dad used to smoke and we'd be in bed and he'd come in in the dark with his cigarette and make this circle and say, Red Eye, to scare us. And my kids love it. (laughs) Tell us about Red Eye. Tell us about Red Eye. Tell us the nail polish story, Dad. You want to know the nail polish story? I was taking a nap once and my sister and her friend came in and painted my fingernails and I woke up halfway through and I thought, I'll get back at her. And I pretended I was asleep and they finished their job and then I rolled over and was like, oh, and I wiped my fingers on the sheet and got nail polish all over the sheets. And then my mom was wise enough to figure it out that, and we both got in trouble. They love the nail polish story. Tell us about the time Uncle Sonny found the the water moccasin in the swimming pool and you had to scoop it out and shoot it with the twenty-two. These are the stories that my kids love and they ask for them over and over again because little children love hearing the same stories over and over again. And God's children love hearing the same story over and over again that Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world. God's children love hearing the same story over and over, that Christ loved us and gave himself for us. God's children love hearing the same story over and over again. All your sins have been cast into the depths of the sea. That's what you should say to your pastors every week. Tell me again, pastor. Tell me again, preacher. Give me the same old story. Tell me that all of my sins have been cast into the depths of the sea. Tell me over and over again that Jesus can't remember my sins. 
God's children love hearing the same story over and over again. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in union with Christ. Tell me again, Pastor. Tell me I'm not condemned. Tell me that I'm clean and I'm forgiven and I'm loved. Tell me the story every week, Pastor, because that's what I need to hear. God's children love hearing the same story over and over again. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are loved with an everlasting love. Tell me again, preacher, because I don't believe it. I don't feel it. He loves me. He loves me not. This is my life. Tell me again, pastor, that he loves me with an everlasting love. God's children love hearing the same story over and over again. But there is nothing you can ever do to make God love you any more or to make God love you any less. Tell me again, Pastor. Tell me there is nothing I can ever do to make God love me any more. I can't be good enough to get more of his love. He just loves me, and I can't do anything ever to make him love me any less. Tell me again, Pastor. God's children love hearing about Jesus over and over and over again. God's children say, Father, tell me the story again about your son and what he did for me. I love that story so much. Again, tell it again, Father. Tell it again. Tell me about Jesus, Father. That's the kind of church that we are. A church that wants to hear the gospel story over and over again, week after week. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing the gospel but it's all in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love. You're not moved or swayed by the good we do or the bad that we do. You love us with an everlasting love, and sometimes we forget that. Lord, we want to be a church telling the same story over and over again in our sermons in our Sunday school classes in Awana and gyms and VBS small groups when we run into each other the grocery store at Starbucks we want to just tell the same story over and over again but you've got to make us like children so that we'll want that so Father I pray that we would embrace the good news of the gospel this morning that would move us from childish ways to childlike faith. May you get honor and glory in our lives when we rehearse the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.